All right, how are you getting on? Do you know I keep thinking, singing in my head? I've watched so much. Now I will swear, fucking Moana, right? And I love Moana. So don't get me wrong here. I love Moana. Although I do think there's too much makeup on the baby Moana. I do think that they they age up the baby a bit too much, right? Not to get all Jordan Peterson on here, right? But I didn't. I don't like the makeup on the baby. It looks like a Bratz doll, and I don't like it, right? When she's rescuing the turtle. But I keep hearing, um, singing that bit where the ocean shows up, and the ocean kind of reveals a load of like shells for Moana to pick up, and there's some Polynesian. I don't know. I don't know where it's from. I don't know exactly where it's from, right? <laughs> and it goes, I'm not Tony, no Tony. And that might sound like racist, me trying to do that song uh, from when Moana meets the ocean. And I hope I'm just, it just sits in my head and I keep singing it and it makes me laugh. Um, there's nothing wrong, you know, I'm not having to go, Oh, my my You know? Why am I doing it again? Anyway, um, <laughs> how, uh, anyway, yes, but we were watching a bit, a good bit of Moana, I'm just back from the Holly Bumps, right? Although, hey, hey, between me, you, and this lamp that keeps flickering and will give any epileptic first person a fit, um, it, it, between me and you, this, hey, look at me, this is my holiday, this is my holiday, this is me doing, look, I don't get, this is me doing exactly what I want all the time. Right? For however long I have it, Darren Brown says, we must act like the Stoics, that nothing is permanent and everything is borrowed. You lose your phone, hey, thank you. Thank you to the universe for letting me borrow it out for a while. I mean, I know I gave you a thousand quid across two years, but <laughs> thanks for letting me borrow it as well. Thanks for even letting me borrow the cash. But when I gave it away to get the phone, you know, and I wish I could have uh, adopted that stoic principle when my son actually dropped the tablet that he was using to watch Moana in the airport. Um, a lot of waiting around, right? We limit the screen time, but you know, because uh, he's not two yet. But um, you know, he and he dropped it, and I, you know, it's as I wasn't that disappointed. You know, I've dropped, I've, I've dropped and smashed enough phones and lost enough wallets and passports and phones. To, you know, know that these are transient objects, you know, they don't last very long, you know, um, and they're borrowed. But it was as disappointed as I've been <laughs> this year, um, which is saying a lot for my life, you know, <laughs> I was as, ah, you know, it kind of felt like the emotion was being like filed away somewhere to flare up another day. I wasn't really that annoyed, you know, I don't really get annoyed with stuff like that. I don't really get annoyed if I... If I lose things or if someone breaks something valuable of mine, you know, um, but he, he, he smashed it. To quote, what's the name of the pundit who got sacked? What's your man? Did you smash it? Did you smash it? What's the name of it? And, Andy Gray? Not Andy Gray, the other from Martin Tyler. Oi, oi, Redknapp, you smash it. Oh, but you hanging off the back of him, mate. Jesus. Nothing worse. The only, worse than, the only thing worse than locker room banter is someone trying and failing and inexperienced at locker room banter. It's like brick. But saying, like, Martin Tyler, he's like, hey, you want to go to fucking pants, pants, party, pardon my pants? You know? It's just so, um, <laughs> it doesn't sound like, doesn't sound right coming from. Anyway, I had a wonderful time with the Holly Bops, and I've been singing a lot of Moana, because whenever we were waiting for a tube, or uh, I was in London, 
And whenever we're waiting for a tube or a or a bus or a plane, whip out the old. Well, actually, we were, we were we used it quite sparingly. Nah, who am I kidding? Terry's not here. I was trying to whip it out as much as I could. The tablet, and um, you know, luckily Terry, I don't know, values the internal <laughs> makeup of our son's brain. I mean, whatever. Use your fucking screen if you want. You know, I I've I've I was reared. I was reared on skeleton warriors, right? Park me in front of skeleton warriors with a big owl and a, and a bowl of cookie crisp and two liters of Coke, right? <laughs> and I'm there being like, no, I don't know what's that. That's about 45 minutes now he's been looking at that. <laughs> this beautiful, stunning story of Moana um, and Maui trying to return the heart of Tafiti. What a fucking flick. Anyway, uh, but it was not me, Holly Bops. Had a wonderful time. Had a wonderful time. Had this revelation, though, right? Um, first thing we did, I went to my favorite shop. Fast fashion. Look, if it's fast fashion. I know Uniqlo are one of those trying to do something about it, right? Uh, well, they're all trying to do something about it. I mean, it's not great. You know? It's a given. Um, I mean, I am going to donate the rest of my clothes to a charity shop. These are some fucking banging threads, Right? So I was just uh, updating a few essentials, right? Needed some new trousers. Actually, here's an interesting one. Going over to London, you know, you've paused our first flight in two years. Me and Terry went to San Sebastian in uh, February 2020, narrowly missing the full lockdown by like three weeks. And, um, <laughs> and I realized when we were putting everything in the tray, they had all the lists of stuff you were supposed to put in the tray and stuff you were supposed to put in like the plastic bags. And one of the things was a belt. <laughs> and I saw a belt. I was like, fucking hell. I haven't wore <laughs> I haven't wore any pant that has required a belt in two years. It's been two years since I've needed a belt or worn a belt. And I thought that was funny. Just pre-post-pandemic. Oh, yeah. Remember belts? They're back in pog form. Um, so I thought that was funny. That I haven't worn a belt in my stretchy pants, you know. And I was like, I wasn't, you know, luckily I wasn't wearing boots. You're wearing boots or whatever. You got to take off the shoe. You know what I mean? Terry was rocking boots. She had to take off the shoe. I have a serious issue with the fucking shoe thing. I would go. I actually think I don't like getting my feet out in public or bare feet. Right. I actually. I'm quite turned off when you walk in. You walk into someone's gaff, some South County Dublin, Dublin lad. And it's like a, a portrait of the whole family. And they're all wearing white shirts and denim jeans and like the sock. No socks. He's fucking photographers and their foot fetish these fucking quintons with their chins hitting the fucking <laughs> hitting the snap button on the camera looking at your feet right no thank you sir I'm not interested in that so i don't like getting my feet out um nothing really wrong with my feet you know foot's a foot you know um but i don't like getting so i was if they were like look can you take your shoes and socks off i'd be like do you know what no and then they don't they'd say they'd say right well then we're gonna have to bring you in to one of these private rooms and, you know, not rough you up, but we'll have to, like, feel you up a little bit. You'll be like, fair enough. I think I would take, I would rather take. <sighs> I'm always bringing up the gay shit. I was going to say, I'm, <laughs> I'd rather take two fingers up the arse uh, to investigate me. Not that they need to. Why would they need to if they're looking at my shoe? I'm just saying that I don't like taking my socks off. All right? So that's not to say that I want that. No, no, whatever. But anyway, it was a it was a wonderful trip. But in my Uniqlo shop, I'll tell you something I realized. I was getting all this gear, 
I was getting like a, an overshirt, right? I like overshirts, right? And I have a pair of white vases, right? And I saw a pair of, uh, there was like a kind of a, a, a flexible, elasticated waist looking chino. Look kind of was made out of light cotton, right? Not quite linen, a bit heavier than that, right? And I thought that'd be a nice little summer look, right? But I'm not, you know, I'm not out here fucking playing jazz, right? I'm not painting like a new shape or a new color. I'm not, you know, doing some impressionist shit. I'm not doing any spin on it. I must have seen a guy wear all these clothes, right? And I'm thinking to myself, I want to be this guy. We're kind of talking about it last week, about, um, or was that on the Patreon, about being stalked by ads where you kind of like the look of someone. Back, This is back in the old cookies days when you didn't know they were taking your cookies from you. You know, and you were like, I kind of want this lad's cookies, to be perfectly honest. And you click on the image and then all of a sudden this lad with stunning hair and a pair of jeans you're never going to buy is following you all around the Internet. This little ASOS model, right? You look quite big, maybe 6'2". He's not little at all. So am I making any sense here? Hang on. Um, Yeah, I was talking about how, <laughs> you know, you kind of just see people and you like the look of them and you kind of fancy them. You know, maybe you don't want to go all the way to bed with them. But you kind of fancied them, maybe like a five percent, right? But I was thinking to myself, like, like I, I, I'm dressing like someone I saw dressed like this, and then I was out in Broadway Market, which is kind of trendy part of East London, on the Saturday, and I put on all that gear. I put on all that gear that I thought people would be kind of wearing that kind of clobber. I put on the clothes, the trendy clothes that I thought the cool, trendy young professionals of Broadway Market would be wearing, and I dressed there intentionally. And there's no unintentional about it, you know? It's like when you go, even when you go to a fucking bar, well, why are you wearing a stripy shirt? Why are you wearing the boot-cut jeans and the brogues, right? Why? Because you see someone else do it and you're like, I want the, I want, I want everyone to think that I'm that. Is it? Is it one guy? Is it just a tribe mentality? I don't know. Or is it one guy you're like, this is the best guy. This is my equivalent to Jesus. Is this hipster who's kind of rocking a bit of a carpenter look, to be fair, with the overshirt, you know? Um, but I kind of was like, I'm walking around being like, I kind of want people to think I'm a designer. I'm like, why? Like, I like designers, and they dress very well. Certainly my designer friends, you know? And I don't have the strongest aesthetic eye. You know, I have stunning eyes. I mean, aesthetic, I mean, yeah, certainly, I have stunning baby blues. I mean, it depends if it's kind of a, I don't really have a kind of, I've certainly an inbound aesthetic eye. But an outbound, seeking out of the world. I do not have a very strong aesthetic eye. But it's not like, oh, why am I dressing? Why am I? Why do? Why do I want people to mistake me for a graphic designer? Essentially, is what I'm. Why am I sort of ages? And I'm like, okay, I want people to get the same kind of I want feeling about me that I'm getting off this lad who's got an impeccable beard. Do do his vases have happened to do with his beard? <laughs> Does it make any sense? Uh, maybe I do have ADHD. I don't know. I don't know about the H. Hey, steps lose the H, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, no, I don't even think I have ADD. Do you know what? I refuse to think that if I have ADD, because I would, I would put any kind of. I don't want to call it disability because, well, it is a disability for people who have it bad. But, you know, 
I feel like I would, uh, I'd, I'd abuse it and you'd take, you'd end up taking my ADD card off me, you know? Like I fucking, oh my God, like I, like imagine I had, if I had ADD for any of the jobs I'd ever have, I would have ended up in court suing someone for sacking me because I was late and I would have said I was because I had ADD. I swear I would. I would have so comfortably wanted something, you know, like an ADD. Like, um, I go for schizophrenia. Give me, you know, give me an. I would have just loved, I would have loved someone just to say, do you know you're like 2% schizophrenic? <laughs> Which still sounds awful, you know. So I'll be like, look, lady, no. This is a, everything about me is that I'm schizophrenic. You know, schizophrenic is a shit example, but you know what I mean. ADD. Um, if I was ever clinically diagnosed with depression, certainly had depression. Certainly had depressive episodes, you know, of times which weren't really that bad. They were just kind of like, actually, you were pretty class. I was just playing Mass Effect. I was just sitting in bed playing Mass Effect. It was really good, you know. But like, you know, maybe they, maybe I wasn't depressed. Maybe I just prefer staying in bed playing video games. And like, I don't know, like my mate Claire should go out and re- read a book in the park on a sunny day on her own, you know. And if I was to compare apples to apples, me not opening the window, not getting up till four, even though my stomach is sore from needing to piss. Uh, mine would look like I'm depressed, but that was exactly what I wanted to do, you know? So it's difficult to tell. But anyway, I'm just saying if I was clinically ever diagnosed with something, I think I'd, I'd probably take the piss with it, you know? Um, I'd probably, it would go beyond just, you know, like, I mean, like, not like, I'm, I'm saying like right now, right, right now with me exactly how I am, you know, exactly how I've been. If all of a sudden some, it would be, kind of, be, be perfectly honest, right? If I found out that I was like a quarter Cherokee, <laughs> like I'd be getting let, I would be getting cease and desist letters from Ancestry.com, being like, "You can't do that. You know, you can't be rocking that headdress." You know, uh, if it was Egyptian, if I found out I was like a quarter Egyptian, <laughs> oh my god, the fucking Tony, Tony, fucking Tony Cameron, they'd be calling me Tutankhamen. Kind of a take on it's a play on Tutankhamen, you know. Like I would, I would, I would want to own any differentiating factor. And I'm not saying that fucking having ADD or having depression is the same as finding out that you're a bit of a different race and wanting to incorporate more of that culture into your life. God, I shouldn't have even saying. I'm just saying that uh, I would. Um, I'm. I actively look for more ways to make things about me, right? Personally. Me personally, right? And I'm going to bow out of this. <laughs> I'm going to bow out of this. Anyway, look, listen, this podcast is sponsored by my best friends, uh, the Dubliner Irish Whiskey. And you know what? I'm having a nice little um, single, right? A single finger. That's when you pour, uh, and I got some big fucking fingers, tell you that, boy. Uh, it's when you pull, uh, pour up to the one finger and a glass of their um, stunning smoked stout. I have to say, I love it. It's the traditional... Dubliner flavor, but it's been aged in a kind of a smoked stout uh, with um, Rascals Brewing Company. They also have an equivalent stout that you can get that's been jazzed up. I don't know. I'm not talking about fucking Rascals here. I'm talking about the Dubliner, my best friends, and look, it's tasty. It's kind of, um, you know, when you're having like, you know, when you go to a fancy cocktail bar and um, they reveal from a bell jar your glass of drink and the guy's like, ah, you know. And uh, you look at things, it's 14 pounds, and that's pounds, right? You don't need to do that, right? You don't need to be having that experience. You get that exact same experience, 
with a little bit less flourish with the greater suspect of the Dubliner by getting their smoked stout um, whiskey. And I really enjoy it. And it's a tasty beverage. So I highly recommend you go over to the DLD.com. And over there, there's a whopper selection of whiskeys you can get. Um, there's some cheap and cheerful. There's some that have been aged for a bit longer. Some that are special reserve whiskeys. Up to you what you want to get. But you can get it all over there at the DLD.com. And check them out on the Soch. And you know what? Not only do they make a tasty ass whiskey at all, right? <laughs> I taught, I taught, drank a tasty whiskey. Well, you did, Tweety. It's called the Dubliner. Not only do they make a tasty ass whiskey, they also foster some phenomenal homegrown talent here, right? They like to collaborate with people who are doing cool shit, like me <laughs> and this podcast. No, but also like Killian Sunderman and Michael Fry, who did their first ever live gig in their distillery uh, with me and Killian and Shane doing our Young Hot Guys calendar, raising money for gay community news. Uh, and then as well as that, they're also propping us up, giving us a bit of cash um, to make the Bureau de Change Song Contest. Look, this is something I've wanted to do for years, and we're finally doing it. Myself and a bunch of other very, very funny fucking comedians who really want to win, by the way, and it's going to be very competitive, are all picking a country. We're all making up a song, and the eight of us are going to be performing live on the 8th of May. That's Sunday uh, in the Sugar Club, and it's going to be very exciting. All right, so who's performing? I'm performing. Uh, Michael Fry's performing. Killian Sonderman, Shane Daniel Byrne, Justine Stanford, um, Kevin McGahern, Fanula Jones, and Peter McGann all making up songs as a country, doing a bit of in, uh, interviews, doing a bit of improv. Tickets are going to fly for it, and they're on sale today. Today through Eventbrite. Um, and I'll if you go on my social now, you'll probably see them. And uh, they will, look look at me, look at me, fucking fly. And it's going to be a really fun gig. Um, so do check that out. Hopefully we can make it an annual tradition that we do. Um, but as for me, I'm not going to do the theme song now. I'm just going to talk to you now for a little bit. I'm just back from the Hollybops, guys. Right? I'm just back from the Hollybops. So, um, so do you know what fucking happened? Oh, my God, I couldn't believe this, right? It's not even funny. We were at Battersea Power Station, where they filmed Alien 3. I gave t- Terry an extra bit of Alien 3 trivia. Her nose started bleeding again, right? Um, I'm coming out with all the fucking Alien 3 trivia. They filmed a bit of it there. Uh, they also filmed um, The Dark Knight. That's one of the warehouses that they blow up um, when Rachel uh, Dawes uh, is, is killed. They, they did it in Battersea Power Station. They filmed a lot of shit there. So I was giving Terry all the trivia on the way there. But they had all this, like this petting zoo, and they had, um, like, you know, we were there with um terry's brother you know and, and his kid and his and his wife and um we were walking around it was a lovely lovely thing lovely sunny day the sunniest day they'd had in london for a while uh all along the the, the thames there's you know we got some nice food and it's all lovely and all real picturesque all families everywhere and there was these kids running up and down this kind of metal grating right you know the sort of grating that you kind of walk over and you can see like 20 feet down you're like Ooh. imagine falling down there right so there was these kids doing races up and down it because it was kind of in a kind of strip. There was kind of like, you know, 20 meters of this thing. And it kind of looked a bit like it was long and thin. This this great, you know. And my young fella, you know, he loves to, to, to muck in, get involved with the big kids, just follow them. I mean, he has, oh, my God, like ruined. He must he's, he's ruined more games of giant Jenga than I can count. You know, there was kids just piling up the Jenga and he's he's trying to help. And I'm letting him, you know, because I kind of want them to tell him off. And then he'll be like, oh, I did, I misunderstood, you know, like we have to, like we do, you know. 
rather than just picking them up and moving them away. So these, I see these kids, and they're like, no, what are you doing? You know, he's like knocking over to Jenga, and I'm just watching, laughing, you know. Oh, mom, this kid is knocking over everything, you know. And I'm just having a laugh. Um, But then these kids were, like, running up and down this grate, and he's just trying to follow them, and he's laughing. He thinks he's in on the game, even though they are, like, 20 feet ahead of him. They don't even know he exists. But he's like, ah, ha, ha, ha. He's following them, right? So they're running up and down this metal grating. And they're taking it in laps. So they run down to the left end, then they run down to the right end, right? So when they run down, they run down to the right end, right? And we're watching this happen. And then they run back to the left end. And about two seconds after they've left the left end, right? A manhole cover just fucking shoots open. Like on, like not in the air, but like on like this hydraulic, like it swings open. Like a, like a, like a hatch, right? Swings open. And, a, and you hear... Like this hydraulic press, pressed it open, just swung open. And then the kids start running back down. And it's honestly about a, a meter and a half by meter and a half square hole that falls with 20 feet. Now, luckily, every parent that was there just heard that the piston of this thing. And there was no, luckily, no kid on the other side of that. I was picturing kids just being fucking flung into the Thames, you know. And everyone was kind of saying afterwards, no, didn't have enough kind of power to this piston didn't have enough power I'm like my own fella it weighs 28 pounds easily would have fucking made it to MI5 right he would have been flying over the all the way to fucking fucking Ray Fine's desk my young fella just splatting on that. I don't want to think about it oh not another baby 007 oh why is another baby flung on my desk 007 he looks like he got the splat what would he say what would he say hang on 007 makes a joke about my young fella being flung in the air. Um, he'd say, ta, ta, well, time flies when you haven't done something. What would he say? He'd say something like, you know, they really do fly, or you really have to cherish them at this age because the time flies is something, you know. Or no, he'd say something, you know, like, he's a bit young to have flown the coop or something. Like. Anyway, if you can think of a better Bond quip for my son being flung in the air with a hydraulic manhole opening, uh, and he being carried to such a fucking ferocious speed that he ended up on the desk of M, is it? Ray Fines In MI5. Barrissey's right beside MI5. Whatever, whatever. Anyway, um, everyone was saying that there's no way they'd fling a baby into the Thames. I'm like, well, we got to try. Anyway, um, all the parents luckily swooped in. Swooped in like a robin, as, uh, as uh, Chris O'Donnell from Batman Forever would say. Let me tell you that little sidebar right here. I know it's two sidebars and you're trying to find out what happened to the hydraulic press, right? Or whatever it's called. Um, the origin of Robin's name, right? In Batman Forever. Played by a hot older Chris O'Donnell. Who's not a little fairy twink. He's actually a biker in this. All right? So he doesn't have little pointy shoes, right? He, uh, His whole thing is uh, he's chatting to Alfred. And he has a an airbrushed bird. Doesn't look at him like a fucking robin, right? But he's an airbrushed red bird on his helmet of his bike. This ain't your granddaddy's robin, right? And Alfred's like, hey, what, is what is the bird? And uh, Chris O'Donnell saying, as robin, right? As, uh, uh, as, ooh, what's his real name? Don't fucking tell me. It's Dick Grayson, right? So he's saying to Alfred, uh, he says, uh, my brother's harness, they're, they're, Acrobats, right? My brother's harness came loose, uh, and I was the only one who could save him. I swung in. I, I swooped in like a robin, 
to save him. And that's why everyone calls him Robin, because he swooped in and picked up his brother, fallen, with his little fucking talons. Not to get all Monty Python on you, but how's he going to grip it? You know? Anyway. So anyway. All the parents swooped in like Robins and picked their kids off the grating. But I tell you, I was waiting. I kind of, I didn't take on the authority in the situation. Although I did say to kids who weren't my own kids, I said, kids, get off, get off this. Hey, I don't even know you, but I'm, I'm giving you my, this is my grown up voice. Get off the grating, right? And then, do you know what annoyed me? Some other parent came along with a louder voice. like, get off the grating, kids. And I'm like, this was actually my whole thing. Talking to kids who weren't mine. You know, being authoritative to kids, which is easy, but you don't do it enough, you know? Um, and I was like, this fucking guy trying to steal my thunder. He's a bit older than me, so I kind of respected him, but I was annoyed because it was my whole thing, right? And then I stood on the grating, pushed the grating down, and I stood on it. Um, and I had to put my full weight on it, you know? And then one of the, um, and I was trying to make it, I wasn't trying to make it about me. Maybe it wasn't a bit of a way, right? But I was trying to be like, I was trying to like, all right, get security. I was like, I think I said someone, someone get security over here, right? Which remind me of that Larry David thing of like, I think it's like Cheryl's parents are over and someone knocks over like a, <laughs> spills wine. And Cheryl's mother, I don't remember whose it was. I think it's Cheryl's mother is all like, okay, quick, someone get, um, you know, baking soda and, and, uh, and you know, tonic water or whatever. And then he goes, why don't you get it? <laughs> you know? People are like, okay, quick, get, you know, someone spills red wine. All right, quick, get white wine. He's like, why don't you get it? <laughs> it's one of the funnier, one of the funniest just quick offhand gags. Anyway, I said, quick, get a security guard, right? And security guard came over and I was like trying to make this about me and give out, you know, heads are going to fucking roll. I was thinking, saying to myself, my son could have ended up on, Q could have been trying to fucking, or, um, yeah, Q, Ben Wishaw, could have been trying to put fucking wires in him to turn him into a little cyborg boy if he'd gone in the wrong window of MI5, right? <laughs> right? So, whose fucking fault is this? And they were like, oh, I don't know. Um, can you close it? And they're like, there was no talk to them. It was a council issue, really. I mean, people walking around making sure the goats don't escape the petting farm have nothing to do with a fucking thing flinging open. <laughs> waiting for Madonna to jump out of it in the Super Bowl. Do you know what I mean? It was that kind of vibe. So I stood on it for like 20 minutes. Too long. Even Terry was like, just leave. <laughs> and I was like, no, I have to. I'm the only one who can support this weight of making sure that this blasted hatch stays closed. Um. Anyway, I've talked about that enough. <laughs> I've talked about that enough. But if they fucking hurt my boy, try to hurt my son, Battersea, will you be battered and in the sea? I was kind of, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of an anticlimax because I, um, I was kind of wanted to see whose head was going to roll, right? Another one, here's another one for you, right? We were past, we were going through um, Heathrow and my son has, um, you know, a passport and he has, you know, he's got a face and everything. But I didn't, I didn't even think that people would want to see his passport and his face, you know. So we were going through, like, the first check where, like, they scan you on the way into the airport to make sure you're the same. I don't know why I was going to say the word cunt there, but I will. I will say make sure you're the same cunt getting on the flight, right? So, um, no, do you know what? didn't feel right. Didn't feel right. I'm not hard. I'm just feeling so fucking amped up now because I wanted to swing digs at the delightful security. They were very nice at Battersea who almost flung my son into 
bloody money pennies phone mm. <laughs> that wasn't great I kind of ran out of periphery bond characters there should have left it on cue anyway I was still amped up so that's why I was trying to say the C word there but it didn't work so look uh, anyway we were going through customs in Heathrow so we were going through the first scan right and um, and then we is this any good <laughs> well it's what look all I'm talking to you about is my trip right that's all you're getting um, so we went through the first scan Terry went in front and then I went through with the young Flynn to pram and I just pushed him straight through um, so I scanned and pushed him straight through I kind of thought they'd probably want to see him but I was like ah, I'll just you know someone will tell me or there'd be some signage you know and pushed him through I mean, obviously, I mean, I kind of knew there would be have to something would have to happen, but I didn't really see any signage. I didn't know if I had to take him out. It would have been an inconvenience if I took him out. It would have been fight to get him back in. And you know, it was a bit exciting to be perfectly honest. I felt like Kevin McAllister about to board a flight that wasn't mine to New York City. Do you know what I mean? So it was a big exciting for me, you know, uh, essentially smuggling my son. Which actually, that's the thing. So then we got to the, um, we got to to get on the flight, and they were like, "We're uh, sorry, who's boarding past this?" Uh, we don't have anyone on file coming through here. You know, they were getting a bit, they were getting a bit fresh. Um, which I was like, hey, chill out. Hey, <laughs> which is what they want to hear <laughs> when you've pretty much just fabricated a child out of thin air as far as they're concerned. Hey, chill out, right? Hey, it's fine. I was, I was like, no, it's fine. It's fine. I just pushed him through in the pram. I was trying to be all chill about it, you know. Um, and as soon as Terry was like, I don't know, someone should have said it. I was like, well, I have my wife's back. And so as if she's not on their side, then that's fine. Because the worst thing would be like, you didn't scan him in. And then I made out to be a moron. We've had multiple scraps like this in the airport. So um, then they brought me over to this other security guard. And he was all like, oh, so you as well? And I'm like, oh, some, oh, somebody's not been doing their job, right? And there was another mom who was also a bit annoyed because she had kind of pushed her son through. And then this, this whole thing had happened that people have been kind of sneaking in, right? And someone at security... And then your man was all like, this is awful. No, listen, it's not your fault. Someone, and I think I'll know who it is, he says. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I think I know who it is. Wasn't doing their job right. And I was like, oh, yeah, I can imagine why I can, like I could have been pushing anyone through in a pram. And then Terry laughed, right? And he's like, no, it's not about terrorism. It's about smuggling kids. And I'm like, oh, God. And then I'm thinking like, he he knows the guy who wasn't watching when he was pushing. We were pushing all the kids through. He's gonna fucking get it. And this is a big guy. He was like, oh, he's fucking smuggling kids." And he's gonna be telling this guy, "Why weren't you watching? They could have been smuggling kids." Imagine someone telling you that. Imagine. And I was like, and I was like, "Oh, I actually feel bad now because it is totally my fault. I just wanted a little Kevin McAllister thrill, right?" Um, and uh, and now he's gonna get shit. You know. Imagine that people are like. You know, you work in a shop or whatever, and I don't know, the, the tills don't work out at the end of the day. Maybe there's, you know, three quid down. Uh, someone's maybe stolen a Hello magazine or whatever. And you might get a kind of, look, maybe just be just be careful. You know, people can just be grabbing shit. Just make sure you check people as they're walking out, any kind of sketchy characters. But for someone to be like, because you weren't working, there could have been kids smuggled out of the country. <laughs> oh, my God. You'd quit your job. I'd quit my job. Or I'd, you know, say, look, my ADD, <laughs> my ADD, unfortunately, just, and I'd sue them, you know. If someone came at me that hard and I had something like ADD, I would be like, you've upset me so much now that I'm going to lean into this thing to make you feel bad, my disability. Is that okay with me joking about that? 
I don't know. I'm going to bow out of it, actually, because I don't know if that's all right. Um, <laughs> but anyway, but they're they're big on the safety. They're big on they're big on uh, you know the safety kids. They were lovely though. Had Sonny, uh, my young fella, on the lap on my lap, and he uh, was there watching Moana. And then I had to hold the, the iPad. He could hold it beforehand, right? Well, it's it's an Amazon Kindle, and you look it annoys me when I call it an iPad, but it's just so much easier, right? It's an Amazon Kindle ten inch, Amazon Kindle HD ten inch, right? About a hundred quid, got a second hand, right? And um, and I call it an iPad, and I say, "Where's the iPad?" And I have to sometimes just check in with Terry, like you know, I know it's not an iPad. She's like, "I don't give a hey, look at me, a fuck what you call it, right?" <laughs> but I often, you know, but anyway, so I had to give him. I couldn't give him the iPad because he would have had little bits of glass in his fingers. Which, after watching Oz, the prison drama, that's how they killed Nino Shibeta. They fed him glass. They kept, uh, <laughs> they kept grinding up glass, giving it to him the canteen. Right. So I couldn't. I didn't want to visualize my son keeling over a shitty prison meal. I'd already visualized him flying through the air, landed on the desk of, I don't know, the other 007, the new one, the one who's all um, book smart. You know. So I didn't want to. You know. But get this right, we paid a couple of like a hundred, at least over a hundred quid for his seat. No more, probably about all. All I'll be told. No, oh, well, not all be told, but probably over like a hundred quid. Right, say it's a hundred quid for his seat. But then he had to sit on our lap anyway when we were taking off when we were landing. So like essentially, because you know it's a forty-five minute flight or say fifty-five minutes, right? Twenty minutes either side, right? Essentially. With 20 minutes either side, the fastened seatbelt sign being on, meaning he's sitting on our lap. With probably 10 minutes in the middle there. Is this observational comedy any use to anyone? <laughs> so it's probably 10 minutes in the middle. It was like 100 quid for sitting fucking 10 minutes on a flight. And then they come along. Actually, they were very sound. They didn't have me remove my... Uh, my. I still can feel the glass in my fingers, my shitty broken iPad. But we had to like sit him on our lap. There's all this stuff you have to do now. Like We were literally talking about it like, I remember going into Dingle, my uncle's van, right? And it was just a sliding couch. We were all in the back on a, of a, on a couch. And actually, that wasn't the first time we were in the van. We were in the van another time, and we were all just, like, standing up, surfing, essentially. We called it surfing. We were just fl- flying all over the place. There was no padding in there. You see it in Jackass now, even there's fucking padding when they're in the, the van. And then he put a, a couch in there, and the couch would just slide from one end. To the, slide from one end up to the driver's end, and then it would slide back down to the fucking door and just slam into the door every time he took off really sharp uh, from, from, from a stoplight. And that's how we went down to Dingle, right? Nowadays, <laughs> nowadays, there has to be some sort of height of, of chair for your kid up to the age of 12. 12. Can you believe that shit? There are lads who are not frigids sitting in a fucking car seat in their car dribbling over the fucking there are lads the cool lad who showed you rage against the machine on a burnt cd right when you were like 11 he's got another year or two years sitting in a car seat are you kidding me i mean it's obviously more safe (laughs) you know but it's also a shakedown you know i told you i went into halfords trying to get a car seat just when my son was born and I was like, okay, I don't know what to get. And it has totally overwhelmed me with so many options. All right, this is fine up until six months. This is fine until like 18 months. This is fine, but you're going to have to move him over to that. Do you want him to move? Do you want? And and I was like, all right, what about this one? And the guy was like, proper limmy sketch stuff. He was like, well, look, that wouldn't be a great one if you're looking to protect the baby's head. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? 
<laughs> so like some of them don't protect the baby's head. Like not to say that this, you know, it's not like you end up paying some ridiculous thing. Like even the the most expensive one, it isn't like a tank. You're not putting them in like uh, Mork's egg for intergalactic travel that's, I'm assuming, you know, impermeable because he flew to Earth in an egg. You know, it must have some pretty good um, uh, armor for, for, and you get any of these references, Mork? Remember Mork? Robin Williams? Um, anyway, look, point I'm getting is 12-year-olds, lads come back from the fucking Gale Talk kissing 100 Colleen Jass sitting there in a, in a car seat. I don't know. I know it doesn't sit. It doesn't sit well with me. Um, but what else is going on? Um, tried to watch a bit of the golf. I love shy talking over the golf. And all I read, I'm not mad on golf, but you know, it's very simple to follow. You know, very, very, very simple to follow. You know, and I'm fascinated. I love seeing people crumble. Right? I love seeing people crumble because I know it. Right? I know it. I know that feeling. I could be, if me and Terry are having like a throw bits of paper in the bin competition, we have a trophy that we exchange, um, whoever's won the last thing, right? We They have the trophy and then I have the trophy. We don't actually have the trophy made yet. I'll get it for her birthday. Um, but we have like a kind of imaginary figurative trophy, right? I currently have it for, I think, bulls, right? <laughs> um so if we're like playing a game of bulls or we're playing a game of just like throwing a bit of paper in the bin and we're like, this is for the trophy, right? Um, I, it could be, you know, first to five, right? And I, if I'm up to four and she's on none, right? That's the worst thing. That's the worst situation that I can be in, right? Because then I get totally in my head and all of a sudden I'm fucking flicking them out the house. They're going so fucking far they're landing back on M's desk. Please stop flicking paper 007, right? So um, I crumble. I crumble under the pressure of single sports, right? <laughs> so I'm fascinated with golf, watching them crumble. Because I've played the games, right? I've played the video games. i played uh, actual golf. That was the one we used to play, my dad. Um, when he got a, he got a PlayStation. And um, <laughs> I remember... <laughs> Uh, like the actual golf had like um, like announcers. I don't even know who they are, right? But I remember it would always be because I'd be whacking the ball, and it'd always be like too far, too far, much too far. <laughs> That's what I always say. Be whacking it, right? And um, every time the game was over, right, it would say exiting game, and me and my brother <laughs> would be playing these games and be like fucking twenty over par, right? Shocking. We're just trying to whack. We're just trying to like see how much, how high we can get it at some point. You know, you throw the, the toys out of the pram and you're like, like we're dead. Let's watch the world burn, right? And then it would say exiting game. And we thought it was saying exciting game. And we were like, look, Dad, every time we play these, a game with each other, it says exciting game. <laughs> and my dad's very good at just knowing a time to call us like fucking idiot, like we're kids, you know. But he always knew the best time to be like, he says, that says ex- exiting game, you fucking morons, like laughing, you know. And we all laughed. I'm like, all right, yeah. He's like, how do you not know how to spell exiting, you fucking morons? He always knows. He always knows the times when it's not bad, you know. It's not too far, you know. So, look, I've been around. I play the games. I even have uh, PGA 2K21. So, I think that's what it's called. McElroy's on it. McElroy's body. What a fucking specimen. 
He's got like Brezzy's bod. Fair fucks to him. You know, fair fucks to him. <laughs> you know, everyone's like, oh, McElroy came second. Have you seen his body, though? We were all objectifying him. Me and my wife were, you know, and so was my brother-in-law, to be fair. And, um, well, a little bit, a little bit less. And then uh, and then I, I, put, I took it a bit too far. I was all like, he, took, he was taking off his glove. And I was like, give me that fucking glove and drape it over my eyes, I said. And he was, uh, it was a bit too much. <laughs> and I was a bit too, you know. Even Terry was like, what? Yeah. Ah, no, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I am um, the Rick Sporting family, right? My wife's family. And, you know, that's how they kind of like, to, they talk about sport and they know a lot about every sport. And um, when I met my mother-in-law for the first time, she was asking me all like, all right, so what, what, you know, what sports do you play? I'm like, ah, I don't really play any sports. Not really in. Um, did a bit of rugby. And then she was like, oh, rugby, you played? I'm like, ah, oh, no, no. And I had to bow out because I, I could tell she was getting really into the conversation. I was like, ah, oh, no, no. Like, I just, um, I, I tried rugby. I tried to play for Clontarf before, you know, broke a kid's leg. Well, actually, I didn't tell her that. I told her that later on after a couple of a couple of glasses of wine. But I was like, uh, no, I, I tried for Clontarf and I didn't stick. And she's like, all right. Uh, Gaelic around? Like, no, 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 Gaelic. That's ah, so your, your football kind of soccer kind of thing. Like, no, no, don't really, don't really play on. But I felt like it had been like four or like five sports that I'd said no. And I'm like, I'm coming across like a negative Nancy here. You know, even though I have said, to be fair, I don't play any sport. You know, I'm a amateur call center comedian. Right. Um, and she goes, all right, golf. Do you play golf? And I said, yes. Yes, I do. I do play a bit of golf. And Terry was looking at me like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I'm like, whatever. Like, I just, this is fine. I can't see this biting me in the arse. And then as soon as we got to the gaff. She runs in and she fetches this trophy that she won for getting a hole in one on her golf in her golf course. <laughs> and I was like, all right, look, I actually I don't play golf. Like then she showed me the trophy and I was like, I don't play golf, which is not the you know reaction she was expecting. She was probably like, oh, well, she was probably expecting, oh, well, you know, we should play sometime. But um, I could just see it, you know, it can just get away. A lie can just get away from me like that, you know. Uh, I just said, oh, I like golf. She shows me the hole in one trophy. I'm like, oh, we should play sometime. And before you know it, we're teeing, teeing up. On the on the fairway, on the driving range, you know, whatever we're doing, and and I'm like fucking taking lumps out of the ground, like I'm some fucking landscaper, armed with a single driver, you know. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm actually hoping to come go go back over to London, and you Londoners, mate, over there. Um, I'm hoping to do a gig in maybe June, the end of May, June, um, which would be fun, and um. So I'm just trying to look at a few options of venues, but expect something in the next two weeks. I'm hoping to get a date uh, booked in. I have a few other dates for you, by the way. Um, I am performing in the Spirit Store in Dundalk on the 22nd of April. I'm very much looking forward to that. I do like Dundalk. I like the Dundalk people, right? And um, as well then in Kilkenny on the 24th of April. In Greystones, in the Whale Theatre on the 28th of April. On the 1st of May, in the Everyman. I'm Everyman. Um, in Cork on the 1st. And then again in Vicker Street on the 7th. Uh, no, yes, the 7th of May. The 7th of May. Um, so do come and please, please come. Please come. 
<laughs> uh, it'll be uh, loads of fun. And then, of course, uh, the um, Bureau de Change song contest that is going to be kicking off on the uh, 8th of May, the next night in uh, in the Sugar Club. So, n- busy couple of weeks. But, of course, on the pod in the month of May, it's going to be mainstream May. I am bringing you the most clickbaity, basic, <laughs> mainstream topics in my pursuit of getting to the top of the podcasting charts for the month of May. So watch this space. But anyway, uh, I love you. Yeah, you have so much fun. You have so much fun when you go up there and dance. Uh, oh, there's a little reminder to go to bed. All the best. Bye bye. It's only a